Hello, and welcome to some intentionally random conversations <laughs> with North Point. Love it. We're going to see how that goes. We'll, we'll try that out as a title. If you like it, leave us a like. If you don't, leave us another like. <laughs> and we'll count those at the end, whoever wins. <laughs> That's how we'll decide the title. We'll, we'll, decide, we'll decide what you think exactly. is good. Um, we're going to dive into a really important topic today, but before we do, we have to acknowledge... Making her podcast debut. Hope Sharp. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Standing oh, ovation. Thanks, thanks guys. Standing thanks ovation. Guys. You can't see it, but everyone online is standing. <laughs> <laughs> They've arisen. Uh, how does it feel? How does it feel being in the hot seat? Um, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> great. We all are. If, no, it we feels all. great. It no. feels great. Good answer, Hope. Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, this is a this is a podcast that we do every now and then. Uh, every few weeks, we like to just dive into a topic, dive into a question. Uh, we did this a few months ago. We talked about the question of what is God, who is God, and we wrestled with that for about an hour. Uh, the last one we did was about the Bible. Can we trust the Bible? What is the Bible? How do you read the Bible? Uh, we talked about that for like an hour and a half, uh, and those were received really great. And so we're diving into another really important question. Uh, and today we're talking about who is Jesus, which seems like probably the most important question yeah. that we can wrestle yeah. with. Right. Um, but before we get into the questions, I think I, I do want to start off and talk about, you know, we do this, we dive into these conversations because it's helpful, I think, to see us uh, as a church discussing these things, that there's really no question that's off the table. There's really nothing that we can't discuss. And this is really what being a church means is having the back and forth. And Jake will say something and everyone can say, Jake, probably not. <laughs> Maybe it's more that like that happens this. a lot. <laughs> yeah, right. Go on back down to uh, the kindergarten classroom and color. <laughs> Let the kindergartners teach you. Yeah. <laughs> then work your way up. Yeah. Did you say um, that there's no questions off limits on this one? Because I think that's a challenge to people in the comment section. I would personally. love that. Like whatever ask, they can come up with. Ask hard questions. Yeah. I love it. Mm. So challenge accepted on your behalf. <laughs> Ask good questions. We're doing a lot on their behalf. Today. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you're standing. You're asking questions. <laughs> We're really demanding <laughs> of the audience today. Um, but before we get into you know this question of who is Jesus, I want to really understand why is this important. So you know, as a church, we've always talked about our 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 goal is to help people move towards a life fully devoted to Jesus. That's our mission. That's what we want to do. Why? Why is that important? I'll, do that. I'll jump in on that because I actually, as you were doing the intro, I was thinking um, this, everything rises and falls on Jesus. Yeah. L literally e everything does. It, um, Paul says, you know, it, it, if not for the resurrection, we're among men, most miserable. Um, nothing that we do matters. It's just all good, nice, fluffy stuff. That's no different than anything else. But if Jesus is, if Jesus was a real person, if Jesus is who he said he is, if Jesus really did um, die on the cross, if he really was resurrected, yeah. it's a game changer for everything. Uh, um, a number of years ago, uh, I remember when, when um, Ben Vogel was baptized mm. uh, and, he, and he talked about coming to North Point and, and really hearing for the first time um, a lot about Jesus, and he said, I, "I finally realized it's all about Jesus," um, and 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 so it is. So th this topic is a really really big deal, even though we're laughing and having fun. Um, uh, if you're watching and you're sorting through this, man, hang hang in there um, and process it because it ultimately comes down to everything is about Jesus and what we do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think having that perspective of 
everything revolves around Jesus, and especially as a church, like we 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 always say, we talked about this when we were talking about the Bible in the last podcast. But even when it comes to reading your Bible, that's all about Jesus. Right. So if you miss Jesus in that, then reading your Bible is almost fruitless because you're missing the point of what the Bible is right. there for is to point you to Jesus. So if you miss that when you're reading Proverbs or Song of Solomon or Genesis or the Gospels, if you miss Jesus, right. then what are you really even reading at that point? Um, yeah. <clears throat> which I think is really important. So that being said, so we've established this is really important. If we get yeah. Jesus wrong, we get everything wrong. Right. right. Um, so everything flows from that. So when it comes to looking at the question of who is Jesus, there's a there's a lot of different aspects that we can tackle from that. So I think one of the things that church in general kind of understands is this concept that Jesus is God. And we see that in scripture, but I want to look at where we see that in scripture. Um, Cause that's, that's a question that gets thrown around with different religions. Well, well, Jesus is a really important person. He's a prophet. He's a really good role model. Right. But are we willing to say that Jesus is God. So uh, I kind of want to just toss it out to you guys. You know, when it comes to scripture, are there are there places in scripture where we see that Jesus says himself, like, yes, I, you know, we, we were talking, we were joking around before the podcast that there's really nothing in scripture where Jesus says, quote unquote, I am God, that rests the case. Right. But are there passages or are there stories where it looks, you know, in that context, that's clearly Jesus saying, no, I'm God. Yeah. Where do we see that? Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm diving into uh, Easter, right? So yeah. uh, we're looking at Good Friday stuff and, and the trial of Jesus. And, and I love that, like, at the beginning, they're asking him all these questions. Uh, are you this? Are you that? And his response is, I mean, that's what you're saying. Mm. Like, I, like, I love how he puts it back on that. But then he gets super bold and makes these claims that are basically saying, like, I am the Messiah. I am God. I am this person that's there and that's where the priest is like ripping you know his clothes and going all that stuff and it's just this incredible moment of uh they get mad at jesus and ultimately have jesus killed because of his his claim as god Mm -hmm. and they're throwing it out as blasphemy what's crazy is then the next step what they do with him is uh they take him to Pilate and uh they look at him as king Right, like for Pilate, it's all about the the Roman part because they can't kill Jesus, so they need to do the king. And it's like they've just taken this God claim that really is what bothers them and put it on the side. But the whole reason they really wanted Jesus killed was his claim yeah. of being God, right? And what that threatened their position and their power and their authority, you know, as the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious rulers, religious rulers of the time. So it's like this this at the the crux of it all you know, what kind of catal- catalyst into everything for Easter is Jesus saying, hey, this is who I am. Yeah. You know, I am God in this yeah. moment. Yeah, and I think that's that's an important perspective to keep in mind. So, you know, when we have these other religions or whatever it might be that say, well, Jesus was really important, he was a prophet, but he never really said he was God. That's important context yeah. because that's why the Jews wanted him killed. Right. <laughs> was right. he said, it, speaking in ways that Jews would understand, He's blaspheming. Right. He's saying that he's God. He's making these claims. Um, and I think that's really important to remember because it's easy to gloss over that and say, well, I guess, yeah, Jesus never really did say the words, I am God. But he, that's why they killed him. Yeah. yeah. But he did say, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking because it's not in my notes, um, John 15, 16, 17, somewhere in there, Jesus said, if you've seen me, yeah, you've seen the Father. Yep. Um, which is, if you do the math Mm-hmm. Um, syllogism that would say Jesus is God, uh, you know, 
the, uh, Jesus equals God. So if you've seen if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Yeah. The, um, n- not quite so plain, but hope you were saying before we started be- before we started filming, talk about what you said was one of your favorite verses of the word became flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Can, you, you can change verses. <laughs> if you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just talk about John one. Yeah. I just think that there's such power behind that verse of um, what verse of <laughs> John just putting one. It on. one. <laughs> Don't call me out. <laughs> um, yeah. But just in in first John where it talks about um in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. He was with God, meaning the word is Jesus. And that is who the, the two of them are one. Um, but then I think continuing on, it says the word dwelt among us. Yeah. And that is just, I don't know. There's something (laughs) about that verse that I think there's such power behind that. Um, and then just, I mean, to keep going. So piggybacking off of that whole I am thing, um, John also, I like John, if you can't tell, <laughs> um, just in that whole book. But in John, it talks about the, he, he gives seven I am statements. So like, I am the bread of life. Like, yes, bread can physically nourish us, but Jesus is he can spiritually nourish us. And he just goes out like, I am the light of the world. I, I am the gatekeeper and the good shepherd. You know, I'm going to watch over my flock. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's living yeah. water. I'm living yes. water. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I, I resonate with you because John's my favorite gospel writer because John, John's book is so weird. Copycat. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier just to cheat off people's homework. <laughs> I agree with what you said. <laughs> Um, but looking at, especially in that context, okay, of again, what what would this have sounded like to a Jewish audience that's religious? And Jesus repeatedly making these statements of, I am this, I am this, I am this. Yeah. And even at one point, it's in John 8, where Jesus answers and says, before Abraham came to be, I am. And that, for us, grammatically, is like, finish the sentence. <laughs> I am what? But for them, it would have been like, oh, he's claiming to be the I am, yeah. the great I am. Um, and that would have been like, Oh, that's why they call them blasphemous. <laughs> it's because that's a yeah. literal claim of "I am God." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and and that points again back to to Moses mm-hmm. when when he's in the wilderness and at the burning bush, and and God says, "You need to go to Egypt and and talk to Pharaoh." And Moses says, "Who do I say sent sent yeah. me?" Mm-hmm. And God says, "I am that I am." Yeah, and so all of those "I am" statements um, for the Jews who were not believing yeah. it, it had to just make the hair on the back of their necks yeah. um, stick up. And, pro- and probably for some of the Jews, it made the, the hair on the back of their neck, necks stick up as well because it was like, wait, wait, whoa, yeah. where are you going with this? Yeah, those are um, radical claims Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I think what we see clearly it, in Scripture, it's probably most evident in John because a lot of John's... And John tells us the purpose of writing his book is John says, I write these things so that you would believe, so that you, so that you would believe that yep. Jesus is who he says he is. Um, so it's a huge emphasis in John's book. Um, but even the disciples, so if we're, if we're removing, you know, we've, we've seen that Jesus claims that he was God, so we'll put that on the shelf. We know that Jesus claimed that he was God. But then the disciples also knew and affirmed that Jesus was God. And this is where I'll, I'll go back to John 1. You know, John, 
I l- the opening of John's gospel letter is my favorite passage because it's so clear what John is doing that he starts his letter with in the beginning God and you can almost imagine as they're reading this letter for the first time you can almost imagine Jews being like oh in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and and John's like (laughs) takes a huge left turn is like no in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the language that John uses like again we we lose it in English but the language in the Greek that John uses for even saying that the word was with God is that the word was face to face in communion with God. And so you have this amazing picture of the Trinity that John has this clear understanding that Jesus wasn't just the man that came, but that Jesus existed as God and was in perfect communion with God and created all things from that. And it's just, it's just an amazing picture. So John has that understanding um, and we see that through the rest of the disciples as well. So I don't know if there's other examples you guys want to use. Well, I, I just want to go back to John 1, 2, because everybody except Jake has talked about it now. So <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your time. I should really look that up. It sounds like a cool passage, guys. Um, J-O-N? <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I was, I was as, just as you were talking, and I don't know that I've ever thought about it in this way before, all of the Jewish audience mm. would have said that they would have thought, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens. That, that's the starting place for everything yeah. about their relationship with God. And, and so for John to say, in the beginning was the Word, and then when they connect the dots and say, oh, the Word is Jesus, that is incredibly revolutionary yeah. to their mindset to think Jesus that we saw on earth, that we interacted with, he was alive from the beginning of time. Um, that's that's just a big deal about about the role of Jesus, who he is, yeah. and his nature. Yeah. So my commentary on John one <laughs> uh, actually goes back to Genesis. Uh, don't they say in Genesis, like the the plurality that's used there is trinitarian in itself right yeah, yeah let, let us make let man us man. make man so like yeah. john is really just connecting what's already there it's almost right. like yeah. the worst kept secret in the history of the <laughs> jewish faith right like right they had this plurality this us that was there and then john is saying hey that us we've met him in fact we've had dinner together like mm. you know all of these kinds yeah. of things so like even then that's an incredible thing to think not only did john start with jesus but the bible itself starts with right. jesus yeah yeah, and I think I think again, thinking I'm trying to like think through other examples of disciples where um, Jesus asked the disciples, you know, people people are saying this about me. What are people saying about me? And they're saying, oh, you're Elijah. You're saying, oh, you're this. You're that. You're a prophet. You're this. And then he says, who do you say that I am? Yeah. Um, and Peter's the first one to speak up and say, like, you're you're the Messiah. You're yeah. you're the Christ. Um, so again, in the disciples you see this clear understanding that they weren't really confused what Jesus was. I mean, there's a lot of confusion amongst yeah. the disciples through the Gospels, but you see this clear understanding as the Gospels develop that, oh, that's who Christ is. That's who Jesus is because he's saying it and we're believing it. Um, and there's a continual affirmation of that. Yeah, and I would say the resurrection was probably the light for those guys at that point in time, right? Yep. Like we've talked earlier about Thomas, mm. and it was like seeing Jesus resurrected that it was like, oh... Yeah. Well, now it all comes together like yeah. so much more clearly of like the things that we talked about, the things that you said, right. like, man, and, and I would assume like if I saw like Jesus alive and then die and then resurrected, I would probably feel very similar to like 
Thomas yeah. and all those guys did. <laughs> but like you could tell that's like a light moment of being able to say, I mean, even the the uh, soldier at the tomb, surely yeah. this was the son, the son of God. God. Yeah. You know, so like he saw all that happened. He saw the darkness, the earthquake. He saw, you know, Jesus's actions on the cross and trial. And it, yeah. for him, it was like, this is unlike anything else. Right. Yeah. Love it. Good stuff. Uh, anything else regarding uh, Jesus being God? Or is there anything that, that we're missing in terms of Jesus's Godness? Because we'll shift gears to his manness <laughs> after this. <laughs> we can always circle back. But I don't want to let, leave anything unsaid. Uh, um, I, I may be jumping ahead, but maybe not. That the to me, it's just incredibly um, uh, powerful that Jesus at age twelve, when mm. when he goes with Mary and Joseph to the temple, yeah, um, and and so they're making their trek to Jerusalem, doing the whole thing in the temple. You know, we've talked about the temple, that kind of thing. And there's all these people, all this stuff going on. Mary and Joseph think he's with some other part of the family. They head yeah. back uh, on their way back home. They're a day's journey out before they realize Jesus is not with his cousins. He's, uh, <laughs> where is the boy? <laughs> they go back to Jerusalem. Yeah. And Jesus, and they say, what are you doing? And, and Jesus is talking to the, he's teaching the religious teachers yeah. um, about the role of the Messiah and the Old Testament and who God is, the nature of God. And she said, surely you, you got to understand, I'm just doing what yeah. my, my father's business. I'm, I'm, I'm just doing what I'm here to do. Um, Jesus, at least from age 12, was absolutely clear in terms of his role, yeah. um, his nature, who he was, and, and, he, and, um, and that, that he was um, God's son. Yeah, and then this is, I think, <clears throat> shifting gears to, because I think that connects perfectly with Jesus being a man, being a human. Right. Um, I, I was going to serve that up for you. <laughs> That's a great segue. <laughs> um, there's not really any dispute amongst academic scholars, really anyone, that Jesus wasn't real, that Jesus didn't exist. There's, it's very clear, even from eyewit- even outside of the eyewitness testimony from the Bible, you have history writers like Josephus, Tacitus, there's rabbinic writings that exist. This is really cool. I figured this out as I was researching for this podcast, that you can go and look up writings from rabbis that criticize Jesus for doing yeah. magic tricks. Yeah. They're like, oh, like make a report of this, that Jesus practiced magic and led Israel astray. And we have like the actual rabbi writings wow. from those reports, which is just really cool. So it's very clear that, you know, the, the, the critique that's often lobbed against the Bible is that, oh, the disciples just made up Jesus. They elevated him to something that he really wasn't. Like there were people outside of the Christian worldview that were like, no, he's real and we don't like him. So he existed. But I think that's the cool part is knowing that Jesus exists as a man. What does that mean for us? And this is a question that I always wrestle with, and we don't really have clarity in Scripture, so it's just fun to think about. Like, when did he know? Like, we know at 12 that he was in the temple, and he says, like, don't don't you know I'm supposed to be in my father's house? Like, this is what what I'm supposed to do. So at, at least at 12, like, I remember me at 12. (laughs) <laughs> did not have a clear sense of purpose <laughs> in my life. Yep. <laughs> um, so at that point, Jesus knew. But like, did he know at four? Did he know when he was six? Like, you you, you have all these kind of uh, historic church traditions of Jesus the baby, like offering blessings to people and and doing that. Like, was Jesus doing that as a baby? I don't know. It's just fun to think about. Like, what was what was he like as a child? Because he was fully a man. He was born as a man. 
and he's still God. He didn't not become God by becoming a man. I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird to think about. So I'm yeah. passing it out to you. Does anyone else think that's weird? <laughs> Children's minister. I'm, well, yeah, I, I was going to jump in. Um, I... <laughs> Well, first of all, he was the perfect child. <laughs> yes, I think as a parent, issues. we would all want the perfect child. Um, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, don't you think Jesus, Mary and Joseph had to be going, what are we supposed to do with this kid? Yeah. <laughs> well, right. Because uh, they knew he was God's son. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They knew. Yeah, they were told. Yeah. Right. They had well, an understanding. First-hand knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. They knew where yeah. he had come from. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Well, and I think though, yeah, that's that. That's parent-wise. That's that's giving a lot of pressure to them. So yes, yeah. I can see that. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> as a mom, I'd be like, "What am I doing? Like, I have the perfect <laughs> child. So what? How am I supposed to handle them?" But I, yes, the Bible's not clear on when Jesus knew what he. But I personally think he. Like all along, he just knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because he's God, right. it's not like it was at age 12. Well, now I'm God. Oh my gosh. You know, like, <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I think it, it's not necessarily a, at what age was yeah. he, oh, all of a sudden, okay, this is what I'm doing. I think it was from birth, right. you know, that this is the Son of God. Like, I am God. Um, that's just my own thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't. I, it's funny because all we're doing is speculating. But I think the conversations I've had and raising our kids, thinking about the process that they go through, like your kids, right? You guys, well, you're um, Addie. Mark and I don't have kids together. <laughs> <laughs> he has kids and I have kids. I just want to clarify that. Mark's daughter is. Seven months old. Yes. Uh, no, she just turned eight months. Eight months. So eight months. Old. Clarify that. <laughs> Jake's. Addie is two, not quite. Addie is three. Three. Josie is not quite nine months. Not okay. So Addie, I'll, I'll get to you and hope in a second. Um, at the way that Addie thinks is absolutely concrete. She doesn't mm-hmm. think um, critically. She. Um, she doesn't understand my dad jokes yet. Uh, got it. <laughs> Your uh, hope, your boys are what? Six and eight. Six and eight. Yeah. And so they're not even, they're still thinking very concretely, mm-hmm. clear directions. Um, they're, they're learning how to process information. It's not until a kid gets to be 10, 12, 14 years old, and well, not 14, but 10 or 12 years old, that they begin to think abstractly. Mm-hmm. And I, at some level, I think Mary and Joseph, they didn't hide what had happened around Jesus' birth. Because I think the community would have made sure that they didn't hide. I, I, th- I think there would have, as Jesus grew up, there would have been people whispering all the time, saying, oh, yeah, that's Mary's son. <laughs> Mary that was pregnant before she was married. Right. Um, there, there would have been that stigma. And I think Mary and Joseph would probably have just been real open and say, no, an angel came. And that's why we went to Egypt. And that's all... Um, I think Jesus would have understood that concretely, but as he developed physically, the physical nature of Jesus, I think um, some of those dots didn't really fully get connected until he could begin to think abstractly. Yeah. Um, and, and at that point, I think that there was just a continuing 
growth process yeah. that ha- had him understand. Yeah, and I think that's that's the important part that I think again we don't have clarity in scripture, but that's it's uh, it's what I want to ask Jesus when I like yeah. when I get to see him is like you learn to walk. Like <laughs> it's not like you came out and you were like oh. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Yeah. I'll walk and before I can talk. crawl. Yeah. Like he had to struggle through this physical development yeah. of mm-hmm. crawling and you get your diaper changed and you're messy and you're learning to walk and you scrape yeah. your knee. And like, I remember reading a book by, uh, I think it was Max Lucado. And he was like, I always tell like when we're talking about Jesus being a man, I always tell people and it always makes people uncomfortable. Like Jesus farted. <laughs> like yeah. he did things that men do. Like he had to get his diaper changed. He had bowel movements and he farted and he tripped and he scraped his knee and he did these human things that we always like to present Jesus as the, uh, he, like he never fell, never scraped his yep. knee. He was always perfect. He always did these things. And while we affirm Jesus lived the perfect life, he also lived the life of a human mm-hmm. that meant he had struggles and got embarrassed and felt frustration and did these things that humans do. Had body odor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think there's something unique, though, because like, we're not given a lot to, right. to like young Jesus time period. Right. But I think we're given a couple of clues. One is the fact that they there had to be more stories. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's not like as they're talking with um, his mom and they're and they're putting four gospels together and they're saying all these things with Mary, like the disciples knew Mary. They had had conversations about it. And in the three years that they're together, your childhood comes up in conversations. Yeah. So if you're spending three years together with the, with the disciples, like that all came up, they had this, but they chose this story Mm. intentionally. Now, I don't know if it was like the aha moment for Mary and Joseph and that's why they did it. Sure. Or if it was like the first time that Jesus started teaching. So that's when they like, I don't know why, Yeah. but they put that intentionally in there. And then I think when you look at Jesus's first miracle, when Mary just comes to Jesus and is like, Hey, they're out of wine. Like, come on, everybody knows when mom is inferring something, right? <laughs> yeah. Like Mary is not coming to Jesus with just like a fact, like, oh, did you know like they're out of wine? I guess we're probably gonna leave soon. Yeah. Right? No, like she's back up, it's time yeah, to go home. She's intentional because she has been with, seen the things that yeah. Jesus can do before. So we don't have like this lost moments that would be so cool to know. Right. But the the disciples were so intentional. They knew a lot of those stories, but they were intentional about the ones that they placed in yeah. to show us the Godship and the humanity of Jesus. Yeah, that's great. Good perspective on that. So we've established then Jesus is God. He claimed it. The disciples knew it. The people around him knew it. We've also established Jesus was a man, was born of a woman, um, grew up naturally like a human would, went through that whole process, died like a human would die, and then rose from that. Like no human has. (laughs) Like yeah, no human has. Um, So then we're faced with this, really complex theological thing of Jesus always being truly God and now being truly man. And that doesn't fit in our brains that you can be 100% a man and maintain 100% being God because it looks like you have to trade one for the other. Um, and so that's what I want to talk about is like, how do we, how do we wrestle with and understand what it meant for Jesus as God to step in as man, maintain his Godness, and be a man and walk that line perfectly? <laughs> Anyone have the answer? <laughs> well, I, have a que- I have a question, I guess, to yeah. follow up on that. Do we need to know the answer? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes... 
there are things that we're not going to know. Yeah. Um, and the whole the whole. the whole trinity aspect of um you know god jesus holy spirit they're all separate yet they're all the same Hmm. i mean that how do you you know wrestle with that and 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 get your mind around that and grasp that concept too i mean there's some things that yeah it's great for us to like be able to talk through but Mm -hmm. are we ever going are we ever going to really know the answer that's an answer for when we get to heaven there you go (laughs) i i do think that we our humanness limits our ability to grasp that concept fully yeah um i i don't i don't know that we can but i do think that there's an interesting thing that when you say if you get to the place that you can say okay yeah jesus was fully god and he was fully man, mm-hmm. and that he could live in that that seeming contradiction and do that flawlessly. If you get there, it really does help at some level deal with the question is, how can God be good and allow mm. bad stuff in the world? Because mm. that seems like that's a contradiction of his nature. Yeah. How can you be loving and full of wrath? Yeah, judging. Yeah, yeah. A- and 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 fully good, yep. and allow evil. Yep. Um, and and that's that's hard to just fully understand. We can come up with words to kind of describe it, right? Um, but the fact that God would put skin on, yeah, is just it's it's just so hard to grasp yeah. and choose to live in that limited form yeah that could die that could mm-hmm. physically die yeah. it's crazy yeah and this is where I, I wanted to bring up a passage that i think introduces confusion if it's read in a way that you would try to be <laughs> you would want to be confused there's a passage in philippians where it talks about what this process was like for Jesus, where he empties himself. And that word empties, for us in the English language, seems to mean, well, then he must have been less God to become man. So if he's 100% God, then he became like 60% God. So he left some of that behind. Um, And so I wanted to look at this passage because Paul is writing to the church in Philippi to basically say like, hey, you should treat each other like Christ treats us. So here's here's how Jesus treats us. And so he says, in your relationships with one another, have this same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God. So Paul is saying, he is God. He has the he's captured the very nature of God. He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. And so what Paul is describing is the emptying that Jesus experiences is not that he is leaving his godness behind, but it's almost like an emptying by addition <laughs> that by by taking on the nature of man, he he keeps the nature of God and he takes on the nature of man. Um and the emptying that he experiences, the humility that he experiences that, hey, like being God means you don't need your diaper changed. <laughs> being God means you don't need to learn to walk. Being God means, you know, you don't have to die on a cross. And Jesus adds that nature to himself and empties, empties whatever that is of the godness, but is still maintaining 
the godness, which is, again, that's why this can be confusing when you talk about the details of how this all shakes out. Rick, have I sparked something in your um, mind? Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, I, I, I'm not texting anyone. Um, yeah. I, so boring. I, I, Tell I, Deb I, we said hi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the score of the game is no. Um, actually, I was just going to, to uh, Blue Letter Bible, which is a, a tool yep. that we've talked about before that actually sh- physically shows the Greek um, and looking at Philippians 2, because there is, uh, I mean, we're getting a little into the nitty-gritty right now, but Philippians 2 says about Jesus, who being in very nature, like you said, in the nature of God, yeah. the Greek actually says, who being in, in the nature, who, who being in his nature is God. Hmm. Um, which ties into that whole first question that that yeah. we that we uh, wrestled with, that concept that Jesus was fully God mm. and emptied Himself and took on the form of a servant. That it's that's just an incredible picture of God's love for us, yeah. and and Jesus' willingness to do that. Yeah, yeah, and that's the, I think the cool thing that you see. Uh, the takeaway for me is always in seeing Jesus being truly God and truly man is that you see more of who God is by seeing him take on man. Right. That Jesus is willing to go to these lengths, that God is willing to go to these lengths to be humiliated, to go through life as a man, to learn to walk, to learn to talk, to go through all this stuff, to take on sin, to die on a cross. And that teaches us more of who God is. We would know less about God if we didn't have Jesus do this. Right. Um, And that's important to remember. Yeah, that's incredible because I would never do that. No, <laughs> like I'm not going to make myself less so that other people yeah. can beat me, can lie about me yeah. can kill me, can belittle me or yeah. put myself through hardship of needing to grow if I'm all powerful. Yeah, you know, like there's there's an aspect of that that is just all inspiring because that truly does show who the nature of God even more that comes out in the hum- in it because of his humanity yep. that he put on. Yeah, mm-hmm. you. You sparked. Uh, Are you memory. texting now too? Is that what's happening? <laughs> I'm just updating my Twitter. <laughs> um, he's, he's tweeting out Jakeisms. I got to write that down. Uh, I was actually asking Ashley for advice. How do I yeah. deal with this guy? <laughs> Take him no, home. you sparked something in me because you said I wouldn't do that, and that's that's so true. That like, and and Paul says that to us in Romans, where he says, um, "Rarely would someone die." for someone that they like. Yeah. <laughs> and even more rarely would someone die for someone that they'd like and is innocent. So someone that deserves to be died for, <laughs> we're like, maybe we would do that. Rarely would we do that. And God shows his love for us in that while you were still guilty, while you were still a sinner. While we were Christ a mess, yeah. yeah. While you're at your worst, that's when Christ loved you and died for you. And that, like, yeah. So that's that's what sparked that for me, that Jesus is willing to do what we were like, no, <laughs> I don't want right. to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's who God is, which is cool. Which brings us to the trilemma, <laughs> a, a word I learned today. Yeah. <laughs> that, okay, so we know all this about Jesus. We, Jesus claimed he was God. The people around him claimed he was God. We know that he's man. We know that he lives this perfect life, that this is affirmed over and over again, that Jesus is to be worshipped. He's to be claimed as Lord. He's to be acknowledged in that way. And then um, C.S. Lewis brings up this argument that is, it's a really famous argument, and it seems really simple, but man, it just holds true. Rick, do you want to walk through what that what the trilemma is? Yeah, yeah um, the... Uh 
I, I think I would, I would just go into it saying this. It's great to know about Jesus. Ultimately, we all have to decide what you do with Jesus. That, the, um, to just simply have knowledge about Jesus, that's good. But you, but you have to say, you have to wrestle with the question, what do I do with that? Um, and C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, um, and that's a book that's still available, still in print. You can get great, great stuff. Um, he basically says, oh, you, you, it really boils down to three options. You either have to say that Jesus um, was crazy because Jesus said that he was God. He, um, he claimed to be God, and only a crazy person would claim to be God, unless it's Jake. Um, <laughs> no. Um, uh, you would have to be a lunatic to, to really fully believe, oh, yes, I'm God. Um, so you can't, say, you can't claim to be God. Um, you're either crazy or you're a liar. You can't say that Jesus was a good teacher just a good teacher because he claimed to be God. And somebody who is intentionally deceiving people mm. can't be a good teacher. So he either was a lunatic or he was a liar. He knew that he wasn't God and just said, uh, yeah, I'm God. He claimed to be that knowing that that wasn't true. That would make him a liar and that would not make him not a good teacher as well. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't be a good, you can't be a role model. You can't be um, somebody that people want to follow if you're intentionally leading people astray. He was either a lunatic or a liar, or he is Lord. Uh, he really is who he said he is. He really did exist from the beginning of time. He really did go to the cross. Um, he really did rise from the dead. And he really was um, the embodiment of God's love for us in, um, in being our, our intercessor, um, our advocate before the Father. And so that, that's, that's the trilemma. It's the dilemma that has three parts. Jesus is either Lord or he's a liar or he's a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah, I think putting it in that way, again, talking about different religions that say, well, he's a good man. He's a good teacher. It's like, well, was he <laughs> if he wasn't God? Because he was a liar. <laughs> right. is, that, is that the standard for good teachers? So having it put in that way, I think, is really compelling. To, to have the honest answer to that question of who do I say that Jesus is? Yep. When we talked talked earlier about Jesus asking that question with his disciples. I know what other people are saying. Who do you say that I am? Am I a Lord? Yep. Am I a liar? Am I a lunatic? Because that's an important, again, we talked about it at the beginning of this podcast. Why is this so important? Because if yeah. you get this wrong, if you miss Jesus, you miss everything. Yeah, can I, can, um, when I went to Israel in 2011, um, we went to Caesarea Philippi. Mm which is the place where that happens in Matthew 16. That's the location uh, where Jesus asks that question. So it's a really incredible place. But Caesarea Philippi was dominated by, by temples to gods. The, I mean, the, the, the um, ruins are still there. Hmm. And, and a god to, to Pan that was just incredibly carnal and gross. But in that context where people are coming and, and there's, you know, there's the temple prostitutes and all that stuff, all that stuff's going on, it's in that place that Jesus says, who do you think I am? Hmm. These people all think that these gods are really, really important. Who do you think I am? Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the context even adds a layer of significance to it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. All right. 
Um, shifting gears a little bit, this is where I think it's important that we ask the question, what, what was Jesus like? What is Jesus like? Because um, we can get it so ingrained in our heads that we bring in the baggage from our background. We bring in you know, what we were taught at church when we were younger, what we're taught currently, what this person said, what I think, whatever. Um, and so it's really important, I think, to, to have the conversation of, well, what was Jesus like? What was he like in his ministry? What, did he, what was he like with the disciples? Was he always serious? Was he always, I have, I'm on a mission and I will think of nothing else? Or was he the kind of laissez-faire, you know, it's all about love and mercy, man? Like, is that what Jesus is like? <laughs> um, because a, you have... He was a hippie. <laughs> <laughs> because you have pictures. I mean, I'm I'm most guilty of this. That's that's why I bring it up and want to have the conversation of. You get this picture in your mind of what Jesus is like, and then you get laser focused on that one attribute, that one characteristic, yeah. and anything outside of that, it's like, well, that's not what my Jesus is like. That's not my president. That's not my Jesus. Mm-hmm. But it, Jesus is a, a, many things. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's. So I wanted to have the question of, what's your favorite Jesus story? What's your favorite moment? that in the Bible that talks about and kind of unveils like, oh, that's a little bit of what Jesus is like or what he was like when he was with the disciples. So before we go there. Great. How, how do you describe to kids in children's ministry? <laughs> I knew who, you were, who I Jesus knew you were going to ask this question. <laughs> uh, well, I have it in my notes for later. You're jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> go for it. <laughs> do you want me to jump ahead? A yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think just because we've talked a lot about, you know, about Jesus and who he is, but with kids, it it honestly comes down to simple. Mm-hmm. Like we have yeah. to keep it simple. I may have cheated a little on this question because I have a six-year-old. So I asked him, <laughs> I said, who is Jesus? Honestly, not knowing what his response would be. And he said, God's son. You know, I <laughs> wish you could have heard his little munchkin voice because it's way cuter than mine. But, um, but he said, he was like, God's son. And I was mm-hmm. like, you're right. I was like, do you know what Jesus did? And he goes, he died on a cross. And I was like, that's right. I said, do you know why? And he's like, no, but you're going to tell me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I did. Um, but the cool thing was, is he, after, you know, after I explained, like he died for our sins, he, Levi was like, but he's alive. He's alive. He's in heaven. Yeah. And he kept saying like, he's like, but Jesus is alive. He's not dead. And I'm like, you're right. He's not. Um, so I think with kids and just kids ministry, the biggest thing is Jesus loves you. Mm-hmm. That is like a huge thing. I mean, if you walk into Timbertown and we're talking like our little ones, if you walk into Timbertown and you ask like, who loves you? They're all like, Jesus, you know? So like they get that. And I think yeah. if anything, that's the simplest form of it all. Yeah. God is love. Jesus yeah. is love. I'm about to talk to you like five-year-olds right now, but <laughs> it honestly, it's God loves us so much that he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus loves us so much that he died on a cross for our sins. Do you know what sins are? They're all the yucky things, like anything we think, say, or do that disobeys or goes against God. That's that yucky stuff. He wiped that away. But the cool thing about Jesus is even though he died, he rose from the grave. He rose from the dead, and he's alive, and he lives in heaven forever. If you believe that, you get to live with Jesus in heaven. And I think when we, when we tell it in that such simple facts, um, first of all, that's very easy to follow for kids. And they see that excitement of like, Jesus is alive. 
that means I can live too forever. Um, they might not get the concept of like forever and ever, ever. I think that's still something that yeah. even as an adult, I'm like forever, but, but yeah. So anyway, um, I think when it comes to our kids with our little ones, it's Jesus loves you. And I think with our older ones, we're looking at kindergarten to, you know, through fifth grade, our kids world emerge age. That's when we can get into the deeper conversations of who Jesus was. Um, God and man. Um, the cool thing this past Sunday is with Merge, they were singing a song and it, and it talked about um, one plus one plus one equals one. And I just happened to walk in and the kids, like after the song's over, they're all like one plus one plus one equals one. What is, you know, how does that happen? You know, fourth, fifth graders. <laughs> and, and what was cool was I, I stopped and I said, Hey, I'm like, can, can I just like talk for just a second? And the, the, um, my volunteer, she's awesome. And she's like, yeah, go ahead. And so, um, I just said, I'm like, how does one plus one plus one equal one? How does that happen? And they're like, we don't know, but that's bad math. And, um, I said, well, we have God, the father, we have Jesus, the son, and we have the Holy spirit. And I said, all three of those, like I talked earlier, all three of those are separate, but yet they're together. So they're one, they're, that's the Trinity. And they're all like, Ooh, you know how fourth fifth yeah. graders are but um anyway and then the big thing too that I encourage and and I'm not saying just at a ministry level but even as parents and adults um with kids is you have to talk about how Jesus works in your life mm-hmm. because I look back on like my childhood and I feel like I was taught like well this is Jesus from the Bible and that's it mm-hmm. like that's all he did back then mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago but what is he doing now? And the, I, I think kids need to realize, like, Jesus is working now. Yeah. Like, he's, he's still working through us. Yeah. And um, I think that's huge for me with my boys of, like, telling them, like, I've had a really rough day today, but here's how God showed up. And they can relate to that. And I think, too, Jesus coming to earth. God's so smart. <laughs> Jesus coming to earth and being fully man, that that makes it relatable for us humans. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Done. <laughs> no, that's good. It's good. Yeah. I think, I mean, you say it almost like it's a bad thing. I don't, not that you say it, that w- when we're talking with kids, you simplify it and you break it down to its simplest components. And there's times where I need that. <laughs> where it's like, you can get so caught up in the, the, the the five the hypostatic union of Jesus being fully God and fully man and how this works together and what was he like was did he say hypostatic yeah. woo <laughs> there it is everybody we, I learned trilemma you can learn hypostatic union <laughs> we can have a confabulation about oh, hypostatic <laughs> we're on fire today uh. um, you can get so caught up in the complexities of things about Jesus that you lose sight of Jesus in that um, and that's where I think of um, the passage where people are coming to Jesus and he's saying, like, people will come to me and say, like, Lord, we did this in your name. We did this in your name. We did this in your name. He's like, I don't even know who you are. Yes. I don't know you. And that, so having it explained in its simplest terms is like, gosh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever need to really go above that. <laughs> yeah. Um, d- d- in terms of your your question, the, there are two pictures for me that at least at this season in my life that I think are um, incredibly meaningful. One is... Um, this encounter that Jesus has where where a guy comes and his son is sick and and it says to Jesus oh you've got to come heal my son mm-hmm. and and there's 
people and all kinds of stuff going on. And in the midst of that, there's this woman who has been sick for 12 years with uh, blood disease, and um, and she's just on the fringes. Mm. And she touches Jesus out of faith, knowing that Jesus is her hope. And, and Jesus says, who touched me? And heals her in that moment. Um, that's that. I'll I'll connect some dots here in a second. That picture is just really powerful to me. The second picture is Zacchaeus, who climbs in the in the tree because he wants to see Jesus and he knows everybody hates him. Mm. Um, And Jesus stops and looks at him and says, "I'm coming to your house tonight." And and for me, it goes back to uh, we talked in the message a few weeks ago about. God's love for the disenfranchised, mm. um, for the for the people who are marginalized, and and those two pictures for me, um, it it's is the recognition that even at the age that I am, the place that I am in life, s- you still feel like you're on the outside, like you don't mm. fit, yeah. like you're not good enough, whatever. And Jesus says, "I want to be with you." Yeah. Um, no matter what's going on, no matter yeah. how much you've messed up, no matter how bleak things look, I want to be with you. That's that's um, that's powerful. Yeah, that's a great, great picture of who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Jake, what about you? What yeah. jumps out uh, for me when I think about like, like, like the personality of Jesus and where I go to draw on that? Uh, it's basically every single interaction with Peter, because <laughs> 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 there's something different in all of those. Peter's the same like bumbling over the top guy um, who would be so much fun to be around for a while. Yeah. Right. Like I'm sure the other apostles were yeah. like, no, you're rooming with him this time. <laughs> right. Like at some point in time, I, <laughs> I bunked with him last time. Yeah. No, come on. Right. I want to sleep story. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and yet Jesus is again and again, just shows more about who he is with Peter all of the time. Uh, you know, whether Peter is sinking <laughs> into the sea, uh, and, and Jesus is reaching out to him, mm. not in this, Hey, thanks for getting out of the boat. But like this ye of little faith moment, yeah. you know, and, and is like teaching him in that moment. The fact that he calls uh, Peter uh, rock. Yeah. There's humor in that to me. Yeah. This is the rock on which I will build my church. And, you know, the other apostles were like, oh, have you met this guy? Dude. <laughs> like, dang, Jesus, be gentle on him. Like, come on. We all know like he's got some issues, but he's a pretty shaky rock. Yeah, don't even call him out. Right. <laughs> and yet you go on to the moments later where even in the midst of, of Jesus's pain, after betrayal of his his beating of his uh, the injustice that's put upon him, mm. he has prepped Peter through every stage of that. Yeah. Hey, you're gonna deny me, Peter. I'm giving you a heads up, man. You're shooting your mouth off right now. I'm gonna give you a heads up. Yeah. And when Scripture it says that Peter denies and he makes eye contact with Jesus, mm. it's like in that moment of what is going on, the pain that Jesus is experiencing, he is still connecting with mm. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. He's not caught up in his own stuff. But he is connecting mm-hmm. with Peter because he knows they're going to have breakfast on the beach. Yeah. And he's going to have another conversation and restore Peter. Yeah. So, like, there's just every interaction with Peter and yeah. Jesus. There's, there's the humor part of it. There's these lessons that are taught in it. There's 
just everything in there that, that not only does it show us a little bit about Peter, but Peter's the same, but we get so many different aspects of who Jesus is in that yeah. that is just amazing yeah. to me. Yeah, you get Im- immense clarity on the patience Jesus has yeah. <laughs> and the interactions that wow. he has with Peter. Like, I have never looked at it this way. I'm reading a book right now that goes through each of the disciples because someone asked me, like, do you, or I was reading somewhere, I was like, do you know the, the names of the 12 disciples? And I was like, I think so. <laughs> I know Peter. <laughs> that, Thaddeus? <laughs> Judas is one of them. There so were like, 12 disciples. <laughs> Jesus called to help him. Simon, Peter, Andrew, James' brother, John, <laughs> Philip, Thomas, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas, and Bartholomew. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> If everything was put to a song, I would memorize it. There you I go. Know. I've told people long ago, if Disney wrote a Bible musical, I'd have the whole Bible memorized. There you go. <laughs> so I got to learn that <laughs> that disciple song. But anyway, I'm reading this book, and I'm going through a, a section on Peter right now, and I've never, I have to go back and read it this way, but they talk about how Jesus, when he meets Simon, names him Peter, but he still calls him either name yeah. throughout the Gospels. And they were pointing out, and they were saying, like, you can tell it's almost like when Peter messes up, he calls him Simon, as if to remind him, yeah. you're not being the rock that I've called you to yeah. be. Mm. And then he affirms him when he does something well. He calls him Peter. And so it's like, you're being the rock. This is what I've called you to be. Don't go back to Simon. Lean into Peter. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Again, to see the patience of Jesus, that Simon Peter is not a project that Jesus is like begrudgingly working through, but Jesus is patient in that process of... Yeah knowing when to call Peter Satan and tell him to get behind me and give a harsh rebuke and knowing when to just make eye contact and be like, that's enough. <laughs> Peter will get it if I just make eye contact. Like the the compassion in that, the patience in that, again, the love that comes through that is just so clear when you look at Peter. And that's why I resonate with that because it's like, I'm Peter. <laughs> I'm the guy that puts my foot in my mouth every opportunity I get. And I'll meet Peter someday and be like, I get it, man. <laughs> I wasn't the rock either. <laughs> yeah. Hope, what about you? What's a, what's a favorite Jesus moment? <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> um, I think one of my favorites, and this, again, just thinking back to like when I learned it as a child, because I grew up in church my whole life. Mm. So hearing the stories, it's like, well, yeah, I know that. But as an adult, really studying it, you gain more knowledge and wisdom. And so um, one of the ones of when, well, just, you know, coming into Easter, um, when he cleanses the temple mm. and he goes and he flips all the tables. Yeah. As a kid, though, I'm like, oh, that's so kind. He cleaned the walls. <laughs> like he cleaned the temple. Um, He's cleansing the temple. <laughs> yeah. Do his chores. <laughs> that's why I love kids. They're innocent. But that, that was me as a child. Um, but but then as an adult, and honestly, it was after Jason and I got married, um, we were talking, I think, just about attributes of God and, and Jesus Jesus's, um, you know, personality and like, and and Jason made some comment of like, well, he knew how to take biz, like take care of business. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, Jesus loves us all, you know. And he's like, dude, he went into a temple and like flipped over tables because he was angry. Yeah. And I think anger is seen as such a negative emotion. Mm-hmm. And he, Jesus, gives us such a great example of how anger can be used in a positive way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
because it was righteous anger and he did it out of love again it all comes back to love but um that is one of my favorite i think stories now because i'm like he knew how to take care of business like (laughs) you know um but he did it in a loving way too um so that's one and i i think to add comedy um when he's sleeping in the boat in the storm and <laughs> and the disciples are like what are you doing why are you sleeping and and you know because as humans I mean I'm not a big storm person I get scared um still as an adult I'll admit it tornado siren goes off I'm in the basement <laughs> um but but and that's like what you see them as and Jesus is just like dude like yeah it's raining okay it's windy it's the waves are high. All right. Peace be still. Uh, moving on. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it and that I think that's the fun side of him, I think, in a way. And so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a, a funny side. And that's again, I was reading that book by Max Lucado that talked about Jesus being a human, that Jesus farted like he probably made pull my finger jokes with the disciples. Yeah. And they like they told jokes around the campfire. Like, again, I think you brought it up, Jake, that you have three years together yeah. and we have these little snippets of what that ministry was like. And then there's all of this time in between. And we just picture Jesus as this solemn, uh, this is serious. Let's talk about the hypostatic union. Let's talk about deep theological concepts. Let me talk about the trilemma. <laughs> like, no, he had f- he was a human, a man. Yeah. And they laughed together and cried together and went through all this stuff. I, just, I don't know. I th- yeah. This is good to talk about, to get a real picture of what Jesus was like. Yeah, because I look at even stories where um, I, th- I think it was Peter that he sent, but they like, oh, taxes. And Jesus is like, oh, go fishing. Open up the mouth. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Like, we what? could probably parse that down into, like, oh, the spiritual representation of a fish and a fisherman, and like, yeah. all that. But on some surface level, yeah. that's just hilarious. Right, yeah. Of, like, oh, we owe money? Uh, yeah, go ahead, get that fish. He's got it. Yeah. And to think at some point in time, like, somebody dropped a coin into the water and God had a fish. Go eat that coin to then bring up to pay the tax. Ta- like, barf it up for Peter. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. Well, like, I, I always think of, uh, I think it's in the Sermon on the Mount where, Jesus talks about, you know, take the take the log out of your own eye before you address yeah. the splinter in your brother's eye. And we, we again, we look at that with like hyper-religious language of, right. oh, that's such a good point to take the log out of my own eye before the splinter in my brother. But like thinking about it in a modern context of like, think about that picture of someone going through from hospital bed to hospital bed with like an eye beam coming out of yeah. their head yeah. being like, oh, <laughs> you've got an abscess that you got to take care of. <laughs> it's right. like, dude, yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you've got something lodged in your head. Like that's the imagery that Jesus uses, which is very serious. Like there's a serious component to that that's used with this like hyperbolic, weird, totally out there language that surely Jesus' disciples were like, oh, I'm going to remember that. Yeah, that's like, crazy. We, we do that. And like when you teach your kids or when you do stuff like that, like you tell over the top stories yeah. or over the top analogies. I love telling over the top analogies because yeah. they're memorable. Yeah. And so a little bit of humor and that little yeah. bit of part of it. And I think Jesus did that so much. Like he used the funny and the over yeah. the top to portray a point. So it's okay to, to get the spiritual principle yep. and to get the funny part of that as well. Yep. I, yeah. I was I was just looking um, texting I, again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I couldn't find it. But about twenty years ago, there was a um, uh, maybe twenty five years ago there was a, a video that was made um, from the Book of Mark, and um, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um, maybe we can. Do we have show notes? I can put it in the description if we um, remember. If I, I'll I'll track it down. But that particular. Um, 
ep, uh, that particular video that captured Jesus' life, put the, put the Gospel of Mark um, on screen, Jesus is just so fun. Yeah. Like um, the, the, there's the physical representation of him laughing with his disciples yeah. um, and his kindness and tenderness to kids. Yeah. Um, usually when we think about Jesus saying, oh, let the suffer the little children to come unto me, there's, there's this sense of it's very pastoral and mm-hmm. Jesus is sitting down and the kids are looking up at him. Um, in that video, he's playing tag. Yeah. On the hillside, yeah. with the with the kids, <laughs> and just laughing and rolling and d- doing all that kind of stuff, and that's just such a great picture of of Jesus. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing seeing Jesus as a man doing that stuff, I think is. I'm gonna when I get to heaven, I'm gonna ask to watch the home videos <laughs> <laughs> of right. Jesus' life. Um, my favorite moment of Jesus. I'm gonna cheat a little and take us out of the New Testament. I'm gonna go. Some of my favorite moments of Jesus is when he's not there. And you see the absence of Jesus. Um, and we've talked about, again, we talked about this in the Bible podcast, that the whole Bible is about Jesus. And so you can see that everywhere. Um, and thanks for the nod, Jake. Oh, <laughs> I was like, you're talking. You were talking and they were looking at Rick and I. And I was like, that's not helping anybody. I was hoping that you guys would have a stronger reaction to this <laughs> profound thing that I'm saying. No, but uh, my wife and I, Julia, just went through uh, a deep dive into the study of the story of Jonah. And I never really understood that Jonah was a bad prophet. Yeah. Like never throughout that whole story, Jonah is portrayed as this jerk. Um, And so God, for those that aren't familiar, God calls Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh, tell them to repent. Yeah. Or else they're going to be judged. Jonah's like, I don't want to do that because you're going to be nice to them. You're going to give them mercy. So he leaves, he runs away. And throughout that whole story, you get this constant picture of if this was Jesus, this would have been a better prophet. Oh. Um, Jonah is the failure prophet that Jesus never was. Mm, if so if Jesus was yeah. in this situation, he would have loved to have gone to Nineveh and proclaim the kingdom of God and ask them to repent so that he could have mercy on them. And I think of... Um, it's in Matthew 11, where Jesus pronounces judgment over Capernaum and Bethsaida and uh, the other city that's escaping my memory. Chorazin. Chorazin. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Um, but at the end of that, so he pronounces judgment, but at the end of it, he's like, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I'm gentle and lowly. I, I want to show mercy to you. I want to show compassion to you. And that, to me, is like, that's the coolest picture of Jesus, is that you see it in Peter, where Peter messes up over and over and over again. And Jesus shows mercy. You see it in my life where I mess up over and over and over again. And Jesus is still working in my life, showing mercy. And that to me is like, oh, that's the best picture of Jesus. Yeah. That I'm an idiot every day of my life. And Jesus is like, gosh, I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Which blows my mind. Ridiculous. But there's one aspect of Jesus that I wanted to go back into the Old Testament about. And that, again, this speaks to who Jesus is that Jesus is always God. Maybe we should have talked about this earlier. Who cares? Whatever. Um, but Jesus is in the Old Testament as well, not only through certain appearances, but also as being prophesied. Again, you see it with Jonah that Jonah should have been the prophet, but he just couldn't measure up. And David should have been the best king, but he couldn't measure up. And Samson should have been a good judge, but he couldn't measure up. And so you see Jesus in that. But you also have these prophecies where Jesus himself is prophesied by the prophets and by things that happen. So I, I don't know if you guys have a favorite prophecy that Jesus fulfilled, but I'm curious if there are prophecies that jump to mind. I have a list of them that I can go through, but I'm curious if there's like, oh, this prophecy really sticks out. This is a good truth to hold on to. 
and we can sit in silence as we think because <laughs> I'm springing this on everyone. <laughs> I, I, the easiest place for me to go is is Isaiah chapter nine. Mm. Um, for unto us a child is born, unto us mm. a, a, a savior is given, son is given. Son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, yeah. Prince of Peace. The um, and that the verses right before that is say a people walking in darkness have seen a great light mm. the, um that to me is just such a glimpse into both the first century world and our world mm. that that you you live and you kind of fumble around um like you do in the middle of the night when no lights are on yeah and then all of a sudden there's jesus and it's like oh yeah that's where the legos are that <laughs> I've been stepping Ouch. on. <laughs> um, that that that's the door that I wasn't sure exactly where it was. Yeah. It, um, he just changes everything. Yeah. yeah, love that. Anyone else? Yeah, I got to teach on this a little bit ago, but in Zechariah, <laughs> not Zach, <laughs> not Zach, <laughs> Zechariah, uh, Jesus riding in on a donkey, mm. and just the the symbolism that's a point of that uh, of the coming king. Um, that, that Zechariah talks about, but how it also even points back to Solomon mm. uh, and, and his triumphal entry of coming in to be king, and just how the fulfillment of that, but like what it would have meant for people who are so ready to be out from oppression for the millionth time, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and to like start again, and yet Jesus continues to flip that on his head, on its head. And it's like they had the prophecy they looked for, it, but they didn't understand it. Yeah. And, and yet Jesus still fulfilled it in a manner that was right. Like I yeah. love that part. That was always yeah. cool to me. That's great. Hope you have one. I don't want to steal your thunder. <laughs> if you've got a I would favorite say prophecy. I I wouldn't say that I have a favorite, but um something cool that happened last night was we have the little resurrection eggs at home. Mm. So they tell the Easter story. And what was neat was in one of the eggs is the spear where they, you know. Oh pierced his side but what was cool for me and this is just a mom parent moment though was being able to tell the boys like this is fulfilled prophecy because it says like no bone will be broken on his body but they'll pierce his side and you know of course they're like okay (laughs) you know but but anyway that is what um reminded me of that is just being able to share that with the kids yeah Yeah, that's great so i want to be quick with this because i realize not everyone's as nerdy as i am but there's something really cool about the number of prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and the likelihood of one person at that time fulfilling them. So I'm going to run through this as quick as I can. So there's at least 300 prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. There's a lot. And so we're trying to, like, that's a conservative estimate. It could be a lot more than that, but you're trying to say, like, well, this, this is the same prophecy as that one, so we're not going to count it. This one's not technically really a prophecy, but it does point to Jesus. So let's just say there's 300. So the likelihood of one person fulfilling all of those prophecies at that time is incredibly, incredibly low. And there's a, there's a book called Science Speaks written by Peter Stoner and Robert Newman. And I'm going to run through some of the mathematics that they went through. And so the math teachers out there are like, geek out, finally. baby. <laughs> Vindication. So let's say that Jesus only fulfilled eight prophecies. The likelihood of one person being alive at that time fulfilling just eight prophecies was one in 10 to the power of 17. So that statistical likelihood, when drawn out visually, would be like covering the state of Texas two feet deep in silver dollars, marking one of them with a Sharpie, and then blindfolding someone and say, go find the marked silver dollar. That's one in 10 to the power of 17 for eight prophecies. 
Let's double it to 16 prophecies. If Jesus only fulfilled 16, it now changes from 1 in 10 to the power of 45. So instead of filling Texas with silver dollars, we have to make a planet that the diameter, or the, the diameter is the distance from the center of the earth to the sun multiplied by 30. So that's a whole planet of silver dollars. That's big. That is massive. Marking one, blindfolding the person, go find that one. Then we go to 48 prophecies. If Jesus only fulfilled 48, it now changes to 1 in 10 to the power of 157, which is an incomprehensible number that would be impossible to fathom the size of a planet. So they change it to an electron, which is, at the time, the smallest object that we can actually measure. So if you take a one-inch line of electrons lined in single file, counting them at a rate of 250 per minute would take 19 million years to count all of the electrons in an inch at 250 a minute. So how big would a ball of electrons being 10 to the power of 157 be? The radius of this ball of electrons would reach significantly farther than humans have ever seen in space, which is 13 billion light years away. That's 48 prophecies of at least 300. So for one man at that time to fulfill all of these prophecies, yes, you could have someone go into Jerusalem and ride in on a donkey. That's one prophecy. But Jesus didn't just do one or eight or 16 or 48. He did at least 300 and fulfilled them perfectly. And the likelihood of that is astronomically impossible to even comprehend, which is like, there you go. Jesus is God. Which is the cool part because like what you were talking about with the spear hope, Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. Like there are things he could do. He could ride in on a donkey. He was dead when he was stabbed with a spear. Right. So it's not like Jesus could have intentionally... made this happen. He couldn't choose to be born in Bethlehem. Right. So, like, it's not that Jesus was working to fulfill these things. Right. He just was, and they were fulfilled because they were talking about a truth to come. He wasn't accomplishing it. These were just the truth of what was going to happen. Yeah. And it's important to just kind of remember that's how that works. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's a great point. So, I think knowing all of this, I think you brought it up earlier, Hope. There's all this stuff that we now know about Jesus, do I need to know this about Jesus in order to know Jesus? What's the requirement? What's the cutoff? How much do I have to know before I really know Jesus? Jake. <laughs> oh, cool. Hey, thanks. He's uh, <laughs> jumping in. Um, so the, the one that's always brought up, I think, and is, is a beautiful example, is the thief on the cross mm. next to Jesus. And, and when we look in the Gospels about the crucifixion, I think uh, that that thief probably made fun of Jesus, too, that yeah. Scripture says both Scripture feet says, yeah. were there, and they were saying stuff. And yet at some point in time, uh, in dying on the cross next to Jesus, he recognized who Jesus was. Mm. Maybe it was the earthquakes and like all the other darkness, whatever it was, but he recognized that, stopped everybody else from making fun of Jesus and said, hey, this is truly the Son of God, like, remember me. Mm. He didn't know all the prophecies, may not have even known any of the teachings of Jesus, but he just recognized who Jesus was, mm. and that changed him in that moment. Yeah. So it's just the recognition that Jesus is God. Right. You know, I don't think he even knew what was happening on the cross or, or how the sacrifice would have meant or all of those things. He just recognized Jesus is God. And at that moment, he claims him, Lord, remember me. Mm. So there's a lordship aspect of that, of recognizing in Jesus. And so I think like that to me just shows like, hey, when you recognize who Jesus is and you claim him to be Lord of your life, that is what it takes to develop that relationship. Yeah. Well, and I think with that story, it comes down to the heart. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. 
Mm. It's where your heart is at. Because we can have all the head knowledge that we want. We can have the right answers. Um, And like you brought up earlier, many will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. Mm. Um, But I think what it comes down to is where is our heart at with Christ? Um, And I think that's what is apparent with that, with that um, story of the two thieves and Jesus is that the one who said, remember me, and Jesus said, you will be with me forever in heaven is he didn't have time on earth to study the Bible or go into deep theology or attend a, a ceremony. It was in his last breath that he said that it was basically, Lord, save me. And so Jesus recognized this is a changed heart. Yes, you will be with me forever. And um, so anyway, as far as do we need to know everything like that we just discussed, I mean, yeah, it's helpful, but to have that relationship to to be to have eternal life it 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 comes down to a heart issue yeah um give me a camera i i want to talk to the camera that one we'll we'll give you a um thanks the the um i had a conversation with a with a friend who has been wrestling with this whole idea because because they're uh, they've they've been reluctant to say yes to jesus because of all of the baggage that exists with churches and with other people who say they're followers of Jesus mm. and don't li- live it out, mm. and um, and I told him a story that I re- that that I think was prompted by the Holy Spirit. When I was in high school, I was um, real involved in music stuff. Went to a, a, a music workshop that Fred Waring, who was a very famous choral conductor in the um, in the twentieth century, um, that that he led. And one of the nights that we were there. Um, uh, a guy who sang in f- with Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians um, did a concert, and he told his story. He had been a music major, uh, uh, a um, an opera major um, at Indiana University, which is a great choral school. He went and heard um, heard the Pennsylvanians sing, and he took a he took a yellow pad actually, and is listening to their concert, and he's writing down everything that they did wrong, um, because. Waring's choral style was very specific, and it was very different than a traditional classical music education in in um, in choral singing. So he's writing down all these notes of that everything that they did wrong that had been taught. Um, and he said, you know, the first song he had he had note after note after note after note. Mm-hmm. Um, second song he had a few less notes, and uh, about the fourth song, he finally had this conversation with himself, where he said, "This is." this is really good. Stop taking notes and just enjoy the music. Um, and, and ultimately he goes and sings with Fred Waring and the Pennsylvanians, which was, which was really cool. And what I said to my friend was, you've been on this journey and you keep poking holes. You keep pointing to stuff and saying, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Just take a step back and let, and, 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 and just let, Jesus love you. Just see him for who he is. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to be able to explain everything. All you need to know is that that Jesus was God and that he loved you enough to come and to take your place on by by physically giving himself and dying on the cross mm. for you. And then you say, yes, I'm going to follow him no matter where he takes me. Um, you don't have to have it all figured out. But the more you try and figure it out, the the more rich 
your relationship with him mm-hmm. is because you understand how complete um, his love is for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. I think a lot of times too, we think we have to have it all together. Yeah. And then we'll go to God. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not right. it. It's we come to him as we are, a mess and broken, and <laughs> and he's the one that does the work right. in us. Yeah, yeah, we end up treating our relationship with God different than any other relationship, which to a certain extent is good because it is different than any other relationship. But like I remember dating Julie where there's, and I'm I'm speaking for Julie, evaluating me in that relationship of all the baggage that I come with and my extended family and everything that goes on. It would have been very easy for Julie to be like, look at all these issues <laughs> that are around Mark. Um, and it shows the love that my wife has for me that in yeah. spite of all of those things, she just said, but like, this relationship is so important that I want to get this right. And then through that, we get to know so much more about each other because yeah. we're committed to that relationship. And it's the same with Jesus, that Jesus is a person, not the church. And there's a right. lot of issues that come in with the church, and Jesus is working on that. <laughs> Even today, yeah. Jesus is working on that and working through that because he loves his bride. He loves the church. But your relationship really is with Jesus and then with the church. Um, and so focusing on that, having that be the key point, and yeah, I... I I don't think when we get to heaven that there's going to be a trivia of, you know, ex- ex- explain in a dissertation f- the concept of fully God and fully man and all these things. I think it's going to be who saved you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just like in a comparison here, as you were saying that there's like there's going to be this trivia of who is God. Judas could have answered a lot of that. Mm, yeah. He spent three years with Jesus. Yep. And yet the Bible is very clear at the moment that Judas may have gone and, and cast the coins back. Uh, that he betrayed Jesus and was paid for, which is fulfilling another prophecy. <laughs> but it's he went and, and he wound up taking his own life. But what you don't have in his story and what the disciples are very clear about is Judas never made Jesus Lord. Mm. That it wasn't there wasn't repentance. There was sorrow and there was recognition of his own sin and his own fault yep. and what he did was wrong. Yep. But there wasn't this repentance lordship that came over where he was able to say, yeah. not only was I wrong and I'm asking forgiveness and recognizing that Jesus is Lord, I just recognize that I'm wrong. Mm. You know, and you flip that over with the thief who didn't know any of that. Yeah. And, but he did know this was Lord. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Peter, Peter's denial of Jesus is not that different than Judas' yeah. betrayal of Jesus, mm. but their response was completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good stuff. All right. Before we leave, are there resources that can be helpful? So let's say someone is just starting out in their relationship with Jesus or they're exploring Jesus and they want to dig into some of this stuff. What are some resources that we can offer to people beyond just listening to us ramble for an hour? (laughs) What are some actual helpful resources that we can point people to um, that have either been helpful in your own life or that you've just learned about? I'm, I'm curious. I'll go first. Um, I, I, the, uh, for probably 45, 50 years, um, I've used a book called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a relatively small, simple book, probably 70, 80 pages, that just really focuses on Jesus. And mm-hmm. That great resource. We've given it away before um, and great tool. Um, Lee Strobel, who was a writer for the Chicago Sun-Times, Tribune, so. uh, one of the Chicago papers, uh, investigative reporter, he did. He was a skeptic and and wanted to prove that Jesus was not who he said he was. As an investigative reporter, um, his book, The Case for Christ, um, really walks through that process for him 
that led him to a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And if you don't like to read, um, uh, The Case for Christ is a movie on Netflix, and and it's uh, you know in an hour and a half, it's a it's a it's a compelling story that's yeah. that's just really good. Those those two things I think are really good. I mentioned Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Mm. Uh, another phenomenal book that's been really helpful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, for me, um, if you want to look at just kind of the personal attributes of Jesus, uh, Vintage Jesus is a book that came out. Um, Jerry Bashir's Mark Driscoll wrote it. Yep. Um, <laughs> not condoning everybody that writes books, but at the same time, um, this, if you want to look at it and you want to take kind of a thousand-foot view, um, it's really good to, like, introduce to the attributes of who Jesus mm-hmm. is. Um, it's not incredibly in-depth. It's a very easy read. Um, and then as you're going there, like it's a great starting place, and then you can kind of dig in a little bit further of those attributes because there's so much there. Yeah. But this is a really good like beginner's level yeah. to Jesus, I would say. That's great. Anything on your end? Well, I've heard the Bible is a really good resource. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. That was my one joke. <laughs> I made a joke. Good job. <laughs> but well, half joking. That's for real too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, I'll, I'll jump on that because we talked about it before when we did th- this podcast, this unnamed podcast about about the Bible. Yeah. I, I usually um, point people to the Book of Mark hmm. because Mark is very action oriented. It's yeah. um, like if you if you take a map out and read through the Book of Mark, you see where Jesus goes from place to place to place to place. Yeah. It's sixteen chapters. Um, you can probably read it in uh, certainly less than an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, uh, and that will give you a big picture view of who Jesus yeah. is. But yeah. the four Gospels. Yeah, that's a great place. I love, um, it's in the same vein as uh, Case for Christ, but there's a book called Cold Case Christianity. Uh, it's written by a guy who was an atheist, skeptic, wanted to prove Christianity wrong, and his, uh, his niche, I guess, is that he is a cold case detective. So his full-time job was to investigate murders that were unsolved for decades um, so he thought, you know, I've got a pretty good skill set <laughs> to prove that Jesus wasn't who he says he was, that he didn't rise from the dead. Um, and that book, Cold Case Christianity, is his journey of, oh, wow, I was really wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence that supports that Jesus was who he says he was and that he rose from the dead. And as a teaser, we're giving away a, yeah. uh, a mini version of Cold Case Christianity called Alive on Easter Sunday. So if you come on Easter Sunday with your family, you can get a copy that's just a short little pamphlet yeah. that that's kind of the the reduced view. Yeah, uh, the, the SparkNotes version. Yep. But it's really, really good, really helpful. Um, and yeah, obviously, the Bible's probably the best, <laughs> the best resource. The <laughs> um, I could sing it for you, too. <laughs> B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, that's all the that's the notes that I had, the questions that I wanted to get through. Are there any other things that we've left unsaid about Jesus? Almost certainly. Yeah. But are there are there things that you want to say? <laughs> John says it could fill up all the books are, in the world. Yes, there aren't enough books that could contain it, which is crazy. All right. Cool. Speak now forever, hold your peace. That's it. Good stuff. Well, awesome. Well, thank you guys for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your time, for sitting with us. Um, yeah, and like Jake said, Submit questions. Submit hard questions. We're, we're, I love digging into hard questions. <laughs> it excites me. Um, so if there's questions that you guys have, feel free to submit those. Um, keep doing the good old social media stuff. Like, share, subscribe, do all the fun stuff. Keep the conversation going. And we'll see you the next time we do this. All right.